Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. I don't know if this counts as a downward-facing Doug or, or, <laughs> or not, uh, but Matt, I went to Rochester last weekend. Katie and I and Eliza went up, flew up to Rochester to visit some of her family and friends. We got direct flights out of Charlotte, but took off four times, if you can figure that, that out. What does that mean? That means that both times we took off and had to return back to the gate. Oh, man. Yeah, on the way up and on the way back for two different issues. Wow. Uh, yeah. Did you get on the Twitter about that? I didn't get it on the Twitter, although I <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted to, but then I didn't want to get that reputation of just complaining all the time. Right. Right. Uh, so I'd do that on the podcast now instead. <laughs> yeah, right. Good. Well, hey, that's at least at least they were safe returns to the. They were all safe returns, and yes. I have to, and I'm like so incredibly grateful for a baby who didn't cry at all, even though the way up it was a four hour delay, didn't cry oh, once. Man. Everyone else on the airplane was was whining and complaining and just, <laughs> just having a, having a great time. Oh, that's good. Well, that's not so bad. Good. Glad it worked out. Yeah. So I will be I will be getting on a plane tomorrow uh, for a longer flight. Hopefully we don't have those issues um, to go to to go to France and then Belgium and then Spain, where I'm going to be speaking at Veggie World Brussels on Sunday. If anyone is listening, Sunday uh, October 22nd. So for anyone who happens to be overseas, and I know we've got a few listeners at least who are, uh, because someone at our at our uh, hangout that we did recently for the tribe was uh, is is in Amsterdam. Steven is his name, and uh, he's going to actually make the trek over to Brussels to see me speak. So that's pretty cool. So if, you, if anyone else is, um, I think I'm speaking sometime in the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you, are you guys all packed up and ready to go? Nope, not even, haven't even begun doing that. Just, <laughs> just taking care of whatever, all the other stuff. That'll be something I do probably tomorrow morning. Get everything. Oh, well, good. Quickly well, that'll, be, that'll be really fun. I'm excited to hear about the trip, and I'm excited it, to... Uh... It should be very fun. I've, I've managed, Doug, to connect with... Uh, so I went to Spain in high school for four different exchange periods, like for a month at, at a time. And I have found the girl who I stayed with the last year. And uh, and we're going to end up meeting up with her for a couple of days. So that will be really nice. I'm looking awesome. forward to the Spain leg in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been dusting off your, your French and Spanish? <laughs> I have I have very little French to dust off, but uh, Spanish I have been attempting a little bit. And just in kind of like texting with her, it's interesting how it kind of all does start to come back. Because I, I have really not thought of a Spanish word in 10 years. <laughs> so. Well, that is super cool. It is. That'll it will be, be fun. A, a and fun. Uh, a nice... It has also, my, my wife Erin's and my anniversary is tomorrow. And oh. yeah, 10 years. Whoa! I know. Congratulations! Thank you. You so did that's, it. That's part of the reason for our for our trip. We did. It. We made it. Success. <laughs> yeah. It's big all time. downhill from here. No. No, I mean in a good way. Like the, like we did the hard part. We did the struggle. And now now we cruise the rest of the way. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> I don't think that's how that expression works. I think it is. <laughs> I think that is the meaning of that expression. Really? I guess it's debatable, but I think that's I think that truly is what it means. Huh? I always assumed it was like. Yeah, like it only gets worse from here. Yeah, it only gets worse. I don't think it is. Anyway. Listeners. Let the listeners chime in and decide. Yeah. We should have a poll. <laughs> we should. <laughs> All right. So uh, 
<clears throat> Let's see. We've got Jeff Sanders today, which is uh, fun. He's a friend. You and I, one time we had a trip to his house in Nashville. It wasn't That's his right. current house. It was his apartment. And we went there, recorded some videos, and um, very nice guy. Just He's someone who uh, used to be my – when I did like a weekly accountability thing, he and I were partners for that, and we met every – Monday, I believe it was, and talked for, you know, 20, 30 minutes about business and goals and things we were working on. So, um, you know, we have an interesting relationship, and, and he's someone who does always inspire me. He's got a new book coming out, which I had the honor of uh, reading to write an endorsement for. I uh, read an advanced copy. It comes out in February. It's going to be called The Free Time Formula. And he actually said at the end of this interview, he said, don't go pre-order it yet because he's going to be doing some uh, some kind of big promotion. So don't pre-order it yet, but just put it on your radar um, but he, I don't know. He's just kind of a, a little bit of a, a, you know, a beacon of personal development for me. He's just someone I kind of, kind of, um, keep an eye on what he's doing. And that kind of points to me where I should, what books I should check out and all that. So, uh, good guy. And it was a nice interview with him. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, anything else, any other fun facts about Jeff? I don't, I don't think so. He's, he's vegan. He, uh, did the raw fruitarian thing for quite a while. And has run, I think, a bunch of marathons, maybe maybe seven, eight, nine, maybe some ultras. Don't honestly remember. But, uh, you know, he's he's one of us. He's one of our tribe. Right, Doug? That's right. <laughs> speaking and of speaking tribe. tribe. <laughs> um, perfect transition. We do want to remind everyone about tribe. We don't have the ads anymore, as you hopefully have noticed and hopefully are enjoying. Uh, we do have this instead. This helps us support the show. Uh, it is it is our, our listener support program, if you will. And also much more than that because we do lots of cool stuff with it, such as the Hangout, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. We did our first one. We had our friend Sid Garza Hillman on with us. Uh, that was, what was that, last week, Doug, or two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, had some some a good little turnout and just, uh, it was fun. It was as billed. It was not like a stuffy Q&A session. It was just hanging out, uh, drinking some beers. I actually was drinking a non-alcoholic beer, much to your delight, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, not not because I'm against beer. I just I just happen to be done and not drinking during the weekday thing, um, which will be out the window during my vacation. Oh, anyway, uh, focusing too much on the beer again. That's that's I, <laughs> that's how we keep getting in on the beer. Uh, yeah, no, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was we we did answer some questions. We discussed topics related to fitness and veganism. But mostly just hung out and had a good time, and I, you know, it was it was one of the most fun events, things like this that we've ever done. I think so. Yeah. I'm really excited for these tribe hangouts, and uh, excited for the next one. Me too. So hope, if you want to support, hope that you'll join. Them. Yeah, if you want to support, it's uh, nomadathlete.com/tribe. You can get all the info there, and uh, maybe we can maybe we can get Jeff to join us for one at some point. Ooh. Maybe when his book comes out, we'll get a little. Maybe that'll be our thing. Whoever's got a book coming out, we'll we'll try to loop them in for the. <laughs> For the hangout. Nice. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, cool. Well, that's it. Um, I guess enjoy the interview. All right, let's jump into it. Okay. All right, Matt and Doug here with our good friend Jeff Sanders. And uh, it's been a long time. So, Jeff, I have, I have two off the bat questions for you. Number one, are you still doing the, are you still getting up at 5 a.m.? Is that, is that just permanent part of your, your job description now? <laughs> Um, actually, I wouldn't say it's a permanent part, but I definitely still like early mornings. 5 a.m. doesn't happen every day, uh, but as often as it can, for sure. Okay, good. I, I'm I'm stuck forever being, uh, at least being vegetarian. Even yeah. if I decided I wanted to eat meat again, I, it, in order to do that, I would need to find a new job. So That's uh, true. Probably will not ever happen. So, 
Uh, yeah, so I think the same thing for you. I'm, you know, I'm still struggling, Jeff, with this getting up early thing. The the kids are are still my excuse, and it's still like my my habit. I wish it's like my my white whale that I just can't seem to conquer. Um, and that that's getting up early, but I'm I'm still working on it. Well, luckily, early mornings are not really required. It's just really that question of are you getting the things done that matter? And so if you don't like early mornings, then just don't do them. You know, it's really just a question of. Are you being productive? If you are, great. If you're not, then you know a change can happen. But uh, I'm much more flexible about my approach than maybe I was a few years ago. Uh, mostly because I've seen that you know people take a, a pretty hard line approach to a lot of things. I mean, even diet, right? Like, I mean, I've been a vegan for seven years, but I I don't like, hold myself to a super high standard with everything uh, because I just go crazy in the process. So it's I think it's I think balance is a big part of it. Gotcha. All right, and my other question is. Uh, one that uh, worries me a little bit. I, I was so I was I had the good fortune of being able to leaf through your uh, an early copy of your upcoming book, The Free Time Formula, which will be out uh, in February, at least as of now, February 2018. And it opens with you going to the emergency room for stress related stuff. Yes, and it that's, does. I hadn't talked to you in a long time. And I read that. And I was like, man, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm worried about Jeff. <laughs> I have too. No, um, it's, so uh, what's the deal there? That's a great question. And uh, the simple answer is that, um, you know, I am a guy that loves to be productive and I just overbooked myself. I put everything on the calendar I possibly could. Um, I also had switched my workout schedule instead of doing a lot of running. I was doing a lot of weightlifting. So I was in the gym literally every single day. And I was in a season where I just, I had a lot of my plate already. And then a lot of things I didn't expect showed up. And so I was working just crazy hours. I was trying to work out every single day and I was burning myself out without realizing it very quickly. Um, and then this kind of a just random event happened where I was in the middle of a product launch and I was eating this big salad the night that it was ending. And I basically choked on the salad that I was eating, which is kind of <laughs> ironic that salad was killing me. Um, <laughs> what happened was that it got stuck in my esophagus. And I just lifted weights that day on my chest muscles. And so basically my entire chest began spasming and I couldn't breathe. And so this went on for like 15, 20 minutes of me like gasping for, for breath. And so my wife called an ambulance and then I went to the hospital and turns out it was just, it's called an esophageal spasm, which tends to happen for if you're stressed out. Um, it could also be a genetic thing, which was not the case for me. Um, so the primary cause of that is just being super stressed. And so I had put a lot of stress on my body, a lot of stress just on my mind, and it just kind of, I don't know, it just happened in, in that random moment, and it, it's unlikely to happen again, but it did happen. It was a huge wake-up call for me that, you know, there is a balance to life that, you know, I need to be focusing on that, that allows me to get the things that matter without driving myself completely crazy uh, because, you know, severe things can happen and, and definitely did happen to me. Yeah, so when you have a big wake-up call like that and you say, all right, I need to step back, I need to find more balance. That's a lot easier said than done, right? Like what are the first steps you take to find that balance? It's a great question. I think that for me, it was really just a matter of asking myself, like what actually has to get done and what have I just kind of arbitrarily prioritized? And there was, you know, there's a lot of things that I want to do like, as a guy who likes to explore things. I'm curious about life. Like I want to do a lot of stuff, but most of the things that I had put on my calendar were definitely optional projects that I had just kind of arbitrarily said this has to get done but it didn't i made up the, t the deadline i made it all up and so once i realized that i began to remove a lot of stuff from my calendar and it was it was hard for me because I, I was attached to these things emotionally and that's the problem 
uh, with letting go is that we want to keep stuff. It's like being a hoarder, right? Like we, we really get attached to this stuff. And so to let go of it was difficult at first. But once I knew my priorities, once I had identified those few things that had to get done, it was much easier at that point to just postpone some projects, to cut a few things, and then have that margin, have that time for sleep, have that time for exercise that's healthy, have that time for taking care of myself. Uh, but it, it was and still is a process. I and mean, I'm still going through lots of phases of that, of figuring out what to say yes to and what not to. Uh, it's, it's a lifelong process of figuring out how to filter all the stuff that comes in and all the stuff that you want to pursue personally. And so it, it's it's a, a difficult question because it's different for every person. Uh, but once you know those few things that matter, I find that it is so much easier to then say no to the other projects that pop up. And is that is that where the free time formula idea was born or were you already working on it at that point? Because this sounds what you just said sounds a lot like what the theme of the book was that I took from it anyway. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of ironic because I had signed the book deal just two weeks before this ER trip happened. And, and <laughs> I, hadn't, I, haven't, I hadn't even yet started with it. And we had no real concept for the book yet. And so basically, as soon as that ER trip happened, I was like, well, this is the book. This is my story. <laughs> this is what has to happen. And so I pitched my publisher that idea. I was like, this is what the book needs to be about. And she got really excited about it. It's like, yeah, let's let's do that. So we just began to work with that idea uh, because that has been kind of, I really think since the 5A Miracle, my first book came out about three years ago, it has been this really kind of challenging story of how to maintain this sense of how do I be crazy productive without being completely crazy in the process? And so when this whole event happened, it was like, this is the book. This is the message. Um, I need to figure this out personally and then share my experiences and share the lessons that I've learned of finding that balance that actually works. Yeah, what I liked a lot about the book, Jeff, uh, it, and I, I do hope we'll have you back on um, when it comes out. We can talk much more in depth. But I, uh, I've gotten so sick of the hacks on the internet and <laughs> and even like even books. Like I mean, just because they're books doesn't doesn't make them uh, exempt or, or immune to this problem. Um, it just like it's just everything now nowadays, and I, I guess it's a product of our culture or whatever. It, it just there's so many like I'll pick up the you know look in the personal development or the uh, productivity section or whatever or business section of Barnes and Noble or Amazon and like there are just so many books that are this new system this new formula this new whatever that promises you this amazing result in just these few easy steps and it's going to transform your life and it's going to do this and this and I just like I love those kind of books and I've read them for a long time um, but in the past I'd say two to three years. Although I still have paid a lot of attention to that. I've gone to a lot of Tony Robbins stuff, which actually we need to talk about, Jeff, at some point. <laughs> um, but I just don't read through these things as voraciously as I once did. And I think I'm sort of just like jaded or over them because there's so much of that. Like this is this is the little trick that's going to change everything. And uh, what I really appreciate about this one, about the free time formula, is that it was not that. It was It is prescribing hard actual work. Like what you just described is not easy. The actual decisions and saying, here are the things that – actually matter to me like this one life i have here's the stuff that i actually you know when when i'm at the end of it it's going to matter that i did this stuff and here's all the other stuff which is the vast majority of stuff that doesn't really matter and then kind of having the discipline to ruthlessly cut out the stuff that that doesn't matter and uh that is not easy at all there's there's nothing easy or quick fix about that uh but i i think it is great that that is what you focus on in the book and uh that's that's why i liked it what i wonder though 
what what do you think? I mean, what are are you still? It sounds like you still read. I mean, you have to read all the new stuff that comes out and stay up on the the latest hottest books and everything. Um, I don't know. Do you do you deal with that? Do you get frustrated? Do you get tired of of the same quick fix stuff? And and are there any particular ones that have stuck out recently as substantial and and you know worth it? Well, that's a great point. The way you just summarized the book is exactly what I thought it was it was it was going to be. Was that it's right? It is a lot of hard work, and I think my story and yours are, are very similar in that I have really slowed down the pace of the books that I've been reading for that exact reason. I was just kind of tired of reading, you know, the nonsense that wasn't going anywhere um, or things that I had read a thousand times. Um, the books that have stood out to me, like I would say, in the last you know three to four years, are books that tend to focus on the harder stuff. Um, the one thing by Gary Keller. Um, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Uh, those are books that are off the top of my head that have stood out have, that are books that focus on doing the hard stuff, right? It's not easy uh, to get to that point where your life is working smoothly and things are all you know, going the way you want them to go. Like it takes a lot of effort, not just initially, but every single day to keep that going. And so, if anything, I, I think that personal growth um, as an industry really has to move to the point of like, Getting away from you know the clickbait internet links and away from the quick fixes because that stuff is just you know the next shiny object, but it's not an actual solution to anything. And so uh, maybe this book for me is kind of like my start to that of that own process for myself is trying to get to the point where I am doing the hard work for myself as well because that's the only thing that's going to get me the result that I'm looking for. Uh, it's not the answer people want to hear. No one wants to sell a book that's like, hey, go work your butt off. But that, that that kind of is it, though. That's where it, the, the real results come from. And so if anything, yeah, the quick fixes are, are definitely not it. And I'm personally, yeah, I'm over it as well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you, there are a few things in the book that I picked out as they're almost hacks, but they're not they're, But they are kind of standalone tips that I thought were interesting. And and uh, frankly, like a little, I was shocked that you put them in there or that you you know, would put such an extreme recommendation in there, or at least what most people would consider to be extreme. Um, the ones that stuck out to me and they stuck out be not because I wrote them down preparing for an interview or anything. In fact, I was, I was just reading through to write a blurb for it. Um, but you know, whatever it is now, two weeks later, maybe three weeks later, um, the ones that I have actually found myself using are three things that you said in there. You said, and these are kind of extreme. You said, never read a book cover to cover. And you don't think you've ever read a digital book Word for word, every the whole whole thing. Oh, never have no. <laughs> he said, never answer a phone call. So let let every call go to voicemail, even your mom. I don't think I don't know if you said your mom, but <laughs> you said all, you said all of them. And uh, to sleep with your cell phone outside of your bedroom, that 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 it is crazy to do otherwise. Yes, all and, those things. I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like them. I like those kind of. Uh, I, I mean, most people will not do any of those, of course, because they're those are those are not the the norm. Um, but I appreciate all of them, and I had you know I don't do all of them either, but I have I have started making those habits. Um, so those I mean those are examples of little, you know, small things that that could stand alone as as good clickbaity advice, but aren't they're part of a, a much larger system, but. You know, are, are there certain, like, I'm, I'm imagining you will choose something that is larger uh, in scope than any of those things, but are there certain habits or, or hacks, if you want, like, are there, is there a one or two or three that not just for you, maybe just for you, but that, that you think are like just head and shoulders more important than everything else, or more fundamental than everything else, that everything else is built on, like, are, are there certain habits that you would 
just prescribe to someone who comes to you and says, look, I don't, I don't know how to get going with any of this stuff. My life is a mess, whatever. Like where, where do you tell somebody to begin? It's a great question. I think that when I think back the last few years, I know that in the seasons of my life where things were flowing smoothly, uh, one of the things that stands out to me is my weekly review process. And the reason why I harp on that one a lot, I do, I do my, on my own podcast as well, is because with the weekly review, I specifically am going through my life and I'm asking those tough questions every single week. What can I cut? How can I streamline my life? How can I make this stuff better? And it's it's in asking the questions that you get to the answer. So it's not me saying like everyone should go you know run a marathon next week or everyone should go you know start a business or, or whatever the thing may be. It's the the simple habit of asking the question of how can my life be more streamlined? How can I cut the nonsense? How can I get to what matters? The more that I ask those questions, the more obvious the answers are over time. Um, it's I think for a long time I got out of that habit, which is partly why I got so burned out last spring and, and found myself in the hospital was because I was just I was kind of, you know, dancing around those questions and just kind of I kept saying yes to stuff that sounded fun. And so if I stick to that and if someone sticks to a weekly review process where you're asking yourself, how did last week go? How's next week going to go? How can it be more efficient? How can I cut all the stuff I possibly can? you find yourself being able to just spend your time on what matters most to you because the things that actually matter most will show up in your life whether you want them to or not. Like They're always going to be there, but it's a question of balance between the those must-dos and everything else that just looks like a good use of your time but actually isn't. And it's deceiving. It's difficult to know the answer to that, which is why you have to constantly re-ask those questions uh, to make sure that that balance is always being achieved. And it won't be forever, but if you continually ask those questions, I find that you're just so much more likely uh, to find yourself in a rhythm that allows you to spend your time on what does matter the most. Yeah. And can you, uh, do you have like a, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it before on one of our previous interviews or maybe our academy seminar that you did. Um, but can you can you just briefly outline what is that weekly review process? And I mean, do you, do you think there are certain elements that sh that are kind of universal that should be in almost anyone's, or is it more of an individual thing that somebody should do? So like like what I mean, what exactly when you say weekly review, what specifically do you mean? Is it is just one day a week? I'm guessing twenty minutes, an hour, and what are you uh, you know what what boxes are you checking off during that process? Well, I just pulled up the review just now, so let me go through the list here <laughs> with you. Um, the review itself takes me on average about ninety minutes a week. And so I do mine on Friday afternoons. Um, it used to be on Sundays. I moved to, fr to Friday so I can end my work week. You know, at the end of the day on Friday, be done with it. Um, so it takes me around 90 minutes. It could be longer or shorter depending on what you want to do. And this list that I have now has evolved dramatically over the last few years. Um, so it kind of ebbs and flows based upon my priorities. But uh, for the moment, uh, the first thing I do is review my ideal week calendar, which is a spreadsheet that I have that says, here's how my week would go if everything was great. I'll take like big blocks of time and you know ideal wake-up calls and ideal habits. Uh, so I have this spreadsheet that kind of breaks down what my life would be like if it was great. And I ask myself, you know, am I am I working towards that still? Like, does my life resemble this at all, or is it just really far off? And then I figure out ways to make those things align. Uh, the second thing is my daily habits. So I, you know, a simple check in there. You know, am I drinking enough water? Am I working out every day? Um, I have a small list of habits I go through. Um, the third is I check up on uh, my podcast. So I have a number of, of smaller uh, technical issues with those I work through every week. Um, the fourth is I look at my uh, acuity calendar, which is my online calendar, and make sure that I have blocked off the right times for interviews. I do a lot of those too. Uh, so it's basically just calendar updates. Uh, the next I do is more of a comprehensive process. It's my weekly reflection. 
That's where I ask the bigger questions. Um, the three big wins from last week, three losses, my fixes, my aha moments in the last week. Uh, so that's really kind of digging into the details of what happened in the previous week. Um, then I do progress reports. It basically just means I look at my big goals I'm working on and update what happened last week and what's the checklist for next week. Um, I look through Nosby, which is my digital uh, task manager, uh, to make sure my specific tasks are scheduled appropriately. Um, I create theme days for all the upcoming uh, uh, days in the week. So, for example, Mondays for me are podcast days, and Tuesday I work on my academy, and I have uh, specific themes I work through, which helps to batch items together. And then the final step is I have a big uh, post-it note that I put on my home vision board, which has my top four goals for the week that I'm going to work through. And I write those down in a big permanent marker. And then as the week progresses, I make sure that I'm always going through that big list uh, so I don't get lost in the details. I have a, just a clear reminder on the wall of what I'm doing that week. That's that's pretty impressive. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty thorough process. I, I got to say that's uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Do you? Uh, once you've done that, do you actually do anything with that, you know, or is it more you just do it once you get that uh, post-it note done and, you know, you have your, your wins and you just move on to the next week and you never revisit your old process? Well, it's a great question. Actually, I have a whole spreadsheet uh, kind of uh, in Google Sheets, actually, a whole a big breakdown of every weekly review that I've ever done the last four years. I have all in one big folder of documents. And so every month I also review the previous four weekly reviews or five sometimes. Um, and so I do a monthly review process asking kind of bigger questions about, you know, how my life is going overall. I do that same process every quarter and every year. And so I'm taking kind of the smaller details that I work through on a weekly basis. And then I reflect on those at the bigger intervals of time uh, to make sure that I see the patterns over time, because it's it's very easy to get caught up in the details, which is why I do these reviews to make sure mm -hmm. that I'm not missing the bigger picture. But obviously, uh, that has failed in the past in certain regards. So I've made changes to make sure that that's not going to happen as much. Um, there's always room for error on this part, but it's really just making sure there's a process in place to do the details every week uh, and to reflect you know, more often as well. Okay. Okay. So, so that, that's great. I think that is a, an awesome process and something that uh, everyone could adapt to, you know, to some degree and, uh, and work with. You said that you, it's changed. It's changed for you a lot over the past few years. And, and I, you've also, you know, talking about uh, how your reading habits and everything else have changed as well and the types of books you're drawn to. I'm curious, you know, you've had this podcast for a number of years now. Is there advice that you were giving when you first started that you have moved away from that you're not really giving anymore? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I would say kind of similar to what I said in the beginning of the interview, which is that I'm less hardcore than I used to be on some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think that one thing I, uh, this is kind of a, a Jeff Sanders ism, was that when I started my podcast, you know, I saw the world through my eyes. And so every piece of advice I was giving was like the Jeff Sanders way to blank. And I would just kind of give my advice, um, excluding the possibility that someone else could have a different life than me. Uh, it was very, you know, very self-centered approach to giving advice. Um, so the last four years, I've definitely opened up a lot more having, I would say, just more flexibility built into everything, um, saying that, you know, life is a, kind of an ebb and flow process. There's a lot that you cannot control. There's a lot that happens that we can't predict. And so because of that, I think my advice today is much more along the lines of let's identify the ideal you want to shoot for, uh, but recognize there are many paths to get there. And so it's okay if your original plan isn't working, you just find a new plan and make that work instead. And I think that allows you to kind of lower the bar of being perfect and allow you to just be a human being 
and kind of make mistakes and, and still go with the flow and still get the result you want, uh, just usually in a different path than you thought you would in the beginning. So how, how Jeff, would that apply to the whole weekly review thing that you just described? Because I, uh, I mean, that's, it sounds like something that certainly was inspired a lot by Darren Hardy, who I know you're a big fan of and uh, who I am also a big fan of. And I've read a lot of his stuff. And, and you know, that's probably where I learned the importance of the review process. And I, I am totally all for it and behind that idea, because I think that is really is a fundamental issue that most people have when they set out to create a change is that there's no real accountability process. Uh, and the, the, the perfect example of that is the New Year's resolution thing where people will set New Year's resolutions and then it's not that they will make a conscious decision to give up on that resolution. It's often just they forget to do it. And then you check in, you know, the last week of December and you find in this book that you haven't opened since the first time you wrote them down, if you bothered to write them down. And, you know, it just, there was no process that said like, I'm going to revisit this in two weeks to actually notice if I am on track with what I set out to do, what I've established as important to me this year. And I think that's a huge part of the reason is that just there's there's no feedback mechanism in place. So weekly review certainly uh, you know addresses that issue and, and prevents that from happening. And then I, I like also that that you know you have the um, you know bigger picture step back where you look do a monthly review and then a quarterly review and then of course a yearly review and perhaps perhaps later you do a decade review. <laughs> um, I love all that stuff, but. That you've made it last. I have never made a system like that really last. I mean, I've I've made the weekly review thing a much smaller scale last for a few months in a row. Um, what I wonder though is like, so I'm just imagining that someone would hear you describe all the stuff you do for this 90 minute period on Friday and say like he is is a different breed than I am. Like that that is just you know all these different tools that I don't know what they are and all these different processes and this discipline that would be required to do this. Um, to someone, to someone who has that same end result in mind, which is that I'd like to be better at sticking to my habits and making progress in my life on the things that are important to me, and I understand that a that a check-in process, a feedback mechanism, is important for doing that. But there's no way I can envision myself ever doing all that or spending more than 15 minutes a week on something. How would you tell them to to approach it instead? Like it could be as simple as you know, still try to get to this big system, but just start in a very small fashion and start with five minutes and then gradually build on that. Um, or maybe it's, maybe it's something different where, where the end goal isn't that system. It just, it just find something else that works for you. Like what, like what would you say to someone, even someone like me who just is wondering how can I make something like that last? If I don't think that whole, you know, process is in the cards for me. Well, it's a great question. I think that the, the simple answer is that everybody uses something to dictate what they do with their time, whether it's you know Google Calendar or in my case, I use a digital task manager. Um, some people use a, a paper planner. Everybody has something they eventually lean on that says, here's how I'm going to choose what to do next. Uh, you know, it could be a post-it note that you randomly write down when you're in the, in the moment, but there's something that guides what you're going to do. And whatever that thing is, I think it's best to lean on that and say, let's put something in place in that system uh, that is going to be more of a guaranteed use of my time. So for example, like everybody tends to get to a Friday afternoon. Uh, it tends to be a, a lazy Friday afternoon for most people because we're, we're winding down the week. We don't want to do stuff. I, I have found that it has become a core part of my life to do a review because of the results I've seen from it. 
So if you can integrate something into your current system that gives you those kinds of results you like to see, the odds of success go up. Now, that doesn't guarantee you're going to do it. Uh, for most people, to get that ball rolling, it's going to require accountability. It's going to require a partner you meet with. Uh, it's going to require somebody that you would check in with. could be that you hire a coach for six months just to kind of get that habit going. Uh, whatever the thing is, it's best to use the systems you're already using and then start very small, like you mentioned. It could be 15 minutes you know, on a Friday afternoon just to simply review what happened last week, what's the plan for next week, okay, done, moving on. It starts there, and then as you know, time progresses and you see benefits from doing that simple planning process, you can, of course, make it as complex as you want to, uh, but I have found that the more time I spend in planning, uh, the more time I can then free up. So if you are stressed out, if you have too much to do, spending 15 minutes in planning can save you, you know, two hours next week. So the time, it's, it's like an investment of your money. It's like you get that exponential benefit. So the time in planning is, in my view, is incredibly powerful. And there are so many amazing things you can get from it. Uh, so I think you start with that kind of spark of motivation and then get, build some accountability to continue to do the process and then make sure that when you spend the time working on it, uh, that you're directly doing things that give you the result you want to see, which could be more free time. It could be more time for the projects you care about. But if you can build in that, and get more of those direct benefits, then the odds of you doing it long-term go up dramatically. Cool. I like it. Many, many obvious parallels there um, with something like diet in terms of starting very small, right? Like I, I can, I know that people will look at someone who eats a plant-based whole food diet and say, I just can't imagine ever doing that. And the answer is start with a smoothie or start with a salad or just, you know, the smallest little, or even much smaller than that, if that's what it takes. Um, and what you said about about like it seems like an investment, it seems like a cost to put the time and the effort into that, but it turns out that you get it back just from extra energy or extra focus or whatever. Uh, exact same thing applies with with food as well. Um, you have mentioned food. You mentioned that you are have been vegan. I think you said for seven years. Yes. And uh, I'm just curious, what are you what are you doing? Because you were actually, I think you were on the fruitarian thing long before I even knew about that, um, and were kind of someone I, I looked to just for a little bit of guidance in in trying to just experiment with that a little bit. And I know you've done a lot of raw stuff, and you know I've often prescribed uh, smoothies in the morning. So I'm, what what's uh, what's the status of of the Jeff Sanders diet these days? Well, the fruitarian thing for me was more of a, a grander experiment than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like a permanent lifestyle shift, and it turns out that wasn't the case, at least not so far. Um, not mm -hmm. to say I won't go back to it. I think that when I think about diet, you know, there's certain books like the 80-10-10 diet from Dr. Graham. Um, the books like that stand out to me as saying, like, here is a way to eat that involves tons of fruits, tons of vegetables, tons of raw food, uh, where that's, on some extremes, that's all you consume. I tend to look at that as, as an ideal and saying like, I need to have just more fruits, more vegetables, more raw food. And so with that perspective, that's kind of where I lean to. So if I go to you know the grocery store and I'm going to be buying food for the week, you know, my question is how can I just buy as much of the healthy raw food as I possibly can, and then make that a staple in what I, you know, what I snack on and what I prepare meals with. Um, I tend to get lazy with that over time. Um, I have to remind mm -hmm. myself to stick with that. Uh, but I love having just knowing the ideal and saying, if I were to eat you know, a diet that would be best for my body, here's what it would look like. And then just trying to always get back to that, knowing that I'm going to mess up, knowing I'm going to drink you know, too many beers next weekend or something. But it's really just you know, how can I know what the ideal is in the beginning and then always try to get back to that as often as I can. 
Now, has that played out well in the last few years? Uh, yes and no. I definitely have seasons where I am very, very good with my diet. But I have definitely seen in the last couple of years, especially, that the more I exercise, the more I focus on eating a healthier diet as well. And the times that I slip up and I work too much and I don't exercise, um, I also eat a lot crappier foods. And so mm -hmm. there's a direct correlation in my life between you know prioritizing exercise, which then leads to healthier food choices, versus just saying, you know, I'm not thinking about health at all. I'm just working on other stuff. And so seasonally, that's definitely a thing I've seen, which means that if I want to stay healthy long term, I have to prioritize working out, which then leads to making better food choices, which leads to me being a healthier, more holistic person. So my tendency today is to say, how can I guarantee a workout today, which then leads to so many other amazing benefits, uh, including my diet. I like that. That is really interesting to me. Um, I've, I've noticed some similar things in, in my life, and I think it's a benefit from just if, if you do you know, I don't, I don't know if it's only people who work in this space. I don't think it is. Uh, I think people who think a lot about this and kind of obsess over some of these things. Uh, I've noticed little things like I had the hardest time establishing a meditation habit. And then I found that if I just made myself drink green tea first in the morning, then those were the days that I would meditate because it wasn't like coffee. If I would go right for coffee in the morning, I'd dive right into work after that, even if I intended to meditate and tell myself I would do it later in the day or something, and then, of course, it would never happen. But for whatever reason, the I didn't have that association, or my association with green tea would be more one of relaxing and calm and meditation as I start my day. So this different trigger, which seems, I mean, certainly related, but seems like not the same thing as meditation at all, just like healthy eating is not the same as exercise at all. Uh, it's really interesting that you can, all you need to do is is schedule that one activity and that will virtually guarantee that the other one happens. So I think that type of thing is, is very cool and, uh, and probably happens as the result of being in the mindset of the, the review, the feedback, the, the accountability, like we talked about the, the fact that you're taking a step back and saying, okay, here's what happened. What can we attribute that success to, or what can we blame that failure on? And then how can I, how can I change that or use that going forward? Yeah, I think that it's really interesting to know that like we all have those. Well, I call this in the Five A Miracle Book. I refer to them as anchor habits, which an anchor habit being the thing you're always doing anyway. Or in this case, it's more like if the anchor habit, or that that core thing you would do is let's say you know exercise or drink the green tea. There are so many other kind of side habits that just kick in because of that. And so the real question is, how can you guarantee that those core habits, those anchor habits, are going to be in your day to guarantee the other habits also happen? Um, obviously every day is a little bit different and schedules, you know, can fluctuate, but it, the more often that I can get to those key habits the more often I'm going to get the end result that I want. And so knowing that makes it very simple. It just says like, okay, how can I work out today? How can I have green tea today? And that's the only question. And then it makes things so simple to kind of build your schedule around those key things. And how do you, how do you answer that question? Like, if your question is, okay, all I have to do is work out today. That's, that's the thing. Um, you know, we've mentioned small steps. Are are you are you going on record as saying that you're like that's you you would say the way to get into exercise is to start with just five minutes a day, or are you more someone who says you know make that massive change in your in your schedule and then your mindset will follow and you know that that disruption can be a good thing. I'm definitely a fan of doing small stuff. I, my personal kind of you know personality trait is to jump in you know in, in the deep end immediately, which yep. it backfires constantly. Like it's just it's it's what I want to do, but it's not what works long term. I mean, I first got started with running and marathoning by doing just five minutes a day. That's where the whole process started. I'd gone on a big study abroad trip in college, and I came back and I was super unhealthy. 
And I set a goal of running for five minutes a day, five days a week. And by the end of that summer, after that trip, I was running five miles a day. And like it only happened because I was very incrementally changing my habits. And so I know from personal experience that that's what works. Um, I have done the overnight switch thing on a few things that have worked, but it's very few. The vast majority of the change that I see work long term is some small stuff. And so if exercise is the thing you're trying to incrementally grow, then, then do it in tiny, tiny steps over time. And if you ask the question, you know, how can I guarantee a workout today? Well, if the workout's only five minutes long. It's easy to guarantee. But it's much more difficult to answer that question if you're saying, well, I have to run for an hour and take a shower and then kind of, you know, try to figure out where to change clothes. Like it could be way too complex really fast. And so the simple question is, how do I just do 10 pushups today? That's a much easier question to answer and gives you more results than you would have had if you did not at all. Cool. And Jeff, uh, something else we haven't touched on. You mentioned it very briefly when you were talking about weekly review, but it's uh, perhaps, I don't know, for me, it's like the very first concept that comes to mind when I think personal development, productivity, I think about goal setting. It just It's just this almost cliched thing that goes in any sort of like self-improvement program is setting these big goals. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's because I'm a product of the of the 80s when that was definitely all the, even more the rage then than it, than it is now for sure. Um, where, where do you stand on that? I, I've been one who I used to be such a huge fan of goal setting and I still am. I still love the feeling of having a giant, big, inspiring goal that just pulls me along towards it and I don't need to really it feels like there's it's not even effort to go out and say you know get the run in or whatever the whatever needs to be done to move towards that goal because it is just so exciting and compelling enough that it just it it, in its its own by itself is enough to get going um but I haven't I haven't felt that in, in quite a bit with almost anything and I I just I tend to think that is that's just the result of uh you know maybe moving towards a little bit more of a mindful approach and a kind of a living in the now and a not trying to, you know, live for two years from now at, at the expense of, uh, of right now. But I wouldn't say it's intentional. It's just something that has come about. And, and I, I honestly can't, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't, didn't miss some of that feeling of inspiration. Um, where do you currently stand on, on goals like that? Like how, how, what's your, What's your ideal time frame for setting a big goal? Are you a one-year goal person, a uh, three-month goal person, or like a like a three or five or ten-year goal person? I would say I'm none of those at this point, which is interesting. Uh, I not to say I don't set goals. I definitely do, but I have gone completely in the opposite direction of having time frames attached to my goals. Um, basically, saying that I'm just going to assign like here is the next most important thing I want to get done, uh, regardless of how long it takes. And so with the book that I just wrote, I had a specific time frame I had to hit because the publisher said you have six months and then that's it. So that was a very clear, like I had six months, that goal will be done by then. You know, I turned the book into the publisher two weeks ago. So technically I'm done with the majority of my work at this point with that project. Um, but the rest of my goals on my list really don't have time frames. They just, I'm asking myself, what is the next thing that's going to push me forward and how can I make sure that that gets all of my attention as soon as possible? Uh, so over the summer when I was working on the book, it was my most important thing. And I spent, you know, many hours every single day, seven days a week, you know, just slaving away to get it done. And the clarity around that was incredible. Like knowing that like today when I wake up, I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to write. And that was it. That was my only goal for the day. If I did anything else, that was great. But my only goal was to write. And so because of that, I had very incredible simplicity, incredible clarity. I knew what I wanted to do. Now the book is finished. I'm kind of in this, you know, replanning, like, what's the next big thing to work on? And there's like 18 different ideas I want to pursue, but none of them have timeframes. All of them are just, 
ideas of things that could make a difference in my life. Now, which of those, you know, which of those goals, which one goal is going to really change my life? And today, I don't have the answer to that yet. I'm still working through that process, but I, I know that if I have a list of ideas, I can find the one that matters the most, and I can devote my life to that. And then it tends to be that when you do just one thing, you don't need a time frame because you're going to work on that thing every single day. It's going to happen super fast anyway. Um, that's the way I tend to work. And over time, I found that if I assign time frames, they're never accurate. I never hit the, the, the marker I want to unless someone is actually forcing me to get it done by a certain date. Uh, which is interesting, too, because accountability goes a long way with those time frames, and I don't have someone holding me accountable most of the time. So I just tend to focus on what is the next thing I need to get done? How fast can I get it done? How can I make it my number one goal? And then I just go from there. Uh, yeah, that, that really is interesting. Go ahead, Doug. Sorry. Well, with those time frames, you know, I think that part of the reason why people set those time frames is to keep themselves motivated, right? To hold themselves accountable, even when no one else is. So if you're like, you want to run a marathon by the end of the year, and so that is what you're going to focus on uh, and to try to achieve that goal within the next year. With no time frame, I, you know, I can see it becoming easy to just push things off or, or you know, say, all right, well, I'm really busy this week. I'll start it next week or I'm really busy this month. Why don't I start it this summer? Um, are you just are you just using that one thing to keep you motivated? Are you just using that that weekly, you know, focus or that weekly review to um, to hold yourself accountable? Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right that there's going to be things that you're going to set you know, as a goal. But with no time frame, you're never going to do it at all. And I, I have definitely seen that with specific goals I've set and there's kind of two sides of that coin. One side of it is, you know, darn, I missed my goal. I'm not doing enough work. But the other side is, if I'm not spending any time on it, how important is this goal really to me? And I've asked that question a lot more and realized that I set a lot of goals that were I never actually cared about, or they never actually had to get done. They were just things I thought would be helpful. And so I think because of that, my total list of things that I, I spend time on is significantly shorter and smaller than ever used to be. Uh, which allows me to say, like, I'm going to do like two big things today, and that's going to be it. And the other goals I had set are just probably not going to happen at all for a long time until they are the next most important thing. Um, so as a simple example, you could say, like, in my life, I have two goals. One is to you know work on my career or business, and the second one is my personal health. Uh, in that sense, like, I'm going to work today, and I'm going to work out today. And those can be your only two things you do every single day. And if that's all you did, you're going to get significant results in those two areas. But anything else you had wanted to do probably won't happen or won't for a long time or until your next season of life kicks in. And so I think it's just knowing what matters in your current season and guaranteeing that those couple of things get your full attention and and being okay with saying that everything else is going to have to wait. So up until there, Jeff, it sounded to me like you were an advocate of, I mean, you were talking in terms of just having one goal at a time, uh, although you didn't say that, but you did mention the one thing as a book earlier. Um, what uh, what do you think about that? Is it is it important for you or in general for most people? Do you think to literally only have one goal that is your you know singular focus, or is there some room to say you know I, I want a health goal and I want a career goal and all these different things that I'm going to try to balance? Yeah, I'm not a fan of saying just have one singular goal and that's it. I'm, I happen to have that for about six weeks this summer on the book, where that was <laughs> my only thing. But that's really rare. Uh, most of the time, I have three or four things I'm working on. Uh, but the, because the time frames, uh, depending on what I'm working on, they could shift a little bit. So generally speaking, I have a few goals at a time, uh, but I really limit myself to only having you know a, a couple, two, three. I think four is the most I've ever had at one time and actually made progress in anything. 
And so you have to, at some point, draw a line in the sand and say, I'm only going to work on these few things. Because if the list gets too long, like I've done in the past, that's when overwhelm kicks in. That's when your schedule is chaotic. That's when you can't figure out what matters most because everything matters. And so you have to get to a point where it's clear what actually matters and what doesn't. And the only way to answer that question is to have a small number of things to do, uh, which is the challenge. That's kind of the theme of my book. That's the theme of my life now is, is figuring out what those few things are. And it's hard and it's not an easy answer, but it is so much easier um, if you can let things go. And so that becomes the, the filtering question you have to ask is what am I going to allow myself to let go of for a while uh, because it doesn't actually have to happen right now. All right. I love it. Um, I, I totally agree. Like, you know, there's so much talk about balance and finding balance in your life. And I, I really tend to believe that like, if you really want to make progress with something, uh, the answer is to be okay with not having that much balance. Maybe balance is one of your things you let go for a little while. Um, because you know, if you try to apply your, your energy and your focus in seven different directions at once, it's, you know, it's not nearly as forceful as it is when you just apply all of it in one direction, uh, and just kind of do the bare minimum to maintain things in the rest of your life. And then when it's time you go back and, and change your focus and revisit one of those other things. So I am a big believer in that philosophy. Um, although, you know, I'm constantly evolving with this sort of thing. And, uh, that, that is why I really always enjoy your stuff. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, so, so we mentioned the free time formula it comes out next February, which is a little, little early to be promoting that perhaps, but, uh, figured we get it on people's radar. Is it available for pre-order already? Um, I think it is somewhere online, but I'm going to be doing a bigger launch when it comes out. So at this point I would say, don't buy it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Don't buy it yet. Uh, and what's, where's the best place to find all your stuff? Obviously you've got the, the podcast which uh, is the 5 a.m. Miracle and uh, website, of course. Yeah, jeffsanders.com is the place to find all that I'm working on currently. Yeah, the podcast is on iTunes. Uh, the 5 a.m. Miracle book is on Amazon and everywhere else. So, yeah, I think jeffsanders.com is the best place to go. Cool. And you just launched the uh, your academy, right? Yeah, I just relaunched uh, my Rockin' Productivity Academy. It's actually going on at this very moment we're talking. But um, yeah, that's also something I, I work on a lot is getting people into kind of a more high-end video training-based uh, course. Cool. So check that out. That will be available for a few more days after this podcast goes live if you're if you're someone who can jump on it. And uh, other than that, I think uh, I think I got nothing else. So Jeff, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always, always a pleasure to... Uh, to you know just catch up and and know what you're working on stay out of the emergency room okay <laughs> i will do that thanks guys appreciate it, appreciate it all right talk to you later thanks jeff all right i hope you enjoyed this episode of nomad athlete radio really quick want to remind you that it does take lots of work on my part and doug's part and our own money to create this show and we count on our listeners to support it and the very best way you can do that is by joining nomad athlete tribe which is our members-only community where you can take your Nomad Athlete Radio experience to the next level by both supporting us and getting access to exclusive content. My favorite of which is our monthly hangouts that we do, where me and you, Doug, get on there, uh, live video with listeners and members on there chatting with us. Uh, and it's not a stuffy, formal Q&A session. It's just we're just there to hang out and kind of, you know, be friends with members. And I really enjoy that. That's my favorite part of the whole experience. Uh, but what else is there, Doug? Yeah, the Hangouts are awesome. But, you know, we also wanted to make sure that listeners were connecting to each other. And we do that through the, a private Facebook group where you can hold each other accountable, share race experiences, cheer each other on, ask each other questions. And then a weekly newsletter where we share 
articles and recipes and other things that we as a team have deemed really exciting and, and worth sharing that week. And of course, there are also tribe deals where if you're looking for a financial incentive, this is, this is gonna be it because we have partnered with different vegan brands to provide discounts for you exclusively for tribe members. It's a ton of stuff that's inside the Nomad Athlete Tribe and you can gain access to all of it and support Nomad Athlete Radio for just about the price of a cup of coffee per month. You can get all the details at nomadathlete.com tribe.